Well, hello there, my friend, and welcome to episode 101 of Seven Figure Millennials, where together you and I are choosing to do things differently. We are choosing, we are committing to prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships while building a business that creates a meaningful impact in the lives of the people that we love and generating the wealth for us to design a beautiful life on our terms. And if you are here as a first-time listener or a seasoned listener, I love you, I appreciate you, and seriously, from the bottom of my heart, it means so much that you're taking the time today to expand and grow. Every single week, I am bringing on epic humans, making a beautiful impact in the world to support you to do exactly the same. I'm interviewing what I call Real Humans, is an acronym I invented that stands for Respectful, Enthusiastic, Appreciative, and Loving. And today was very special because if you listen to episode 100, I talked about my vision for the next 100 and episodes and beyond for the show. And one of the things that I'm really focused on is bringing on humans that are making a massive impact on the world, both deep and wide impact and putting a stronger prescription lens. The show has always been about impact, but how can I amplify that even more? And so I really wanted to find someone to kick off this whole new era, this new series of focusing on impact in a whole new way. And so I can't tell you how excited I am to introduce you to today's legendary leader of impact, Brenda Campbell. And I truly believe that without Brenda, this show would not exist. I wouldn't be talking to you right now. And I'll share a more expanded version in the interview. But Brenda was my first ever mentor at age 17. And if you've ever listened to any other podcasts I've been featured on or listened to me tell my origin story or the episode I did with Michael Haig where he coached me on my origin story, Brenda's name comes up because she believed in me and opened my eyes to the power of relationships and all the relationship connection content that I've shared with you The roots of that come from Brenda investing in me at age 17 with her heart and her knowledge. So I'll read Brenda's bio in just a bit, but I just want you to look out for three specific things in today's episode. And I actually, some of these are so cool. The the benefit of getting to interview people is that sometimes you learn things about people that you didn't even know before. So some of these are those, those gems. So the first thing I want you to look out for is how one small kind of offhand comment that Brenda made to a colleague led to her stepping into a brand new role at an organization in an industry where she had almost no previous experience. And she turned that into her becoming the president and CEO where her organization called Secure Futures has now impacted over 100,000 students. And we'll be talking about specifically how they're making that impact, but it's absolutely incredible. Number two, I want you to look out for how over her 15 plus year career of leading a nonprofit, her and her team have recruited over 2,500 volunteers, over 300 partners, and countless donors every single year to contribute to a beautiful cause. And one of the keys to making that happen is storytelling. And we dive deep into that. So make sure you're listening to that because that is key and something super applicable for you. And number three, we're going to dive into powerful relationship building strategies you can use to build life altering connections for yourself. Like I just said, Brenda was the person that set the foundation for my connection skills. And you'll now get to learn directly from the source. And you'll also hear the quote that Brenda shared with me nine years ago that absolutely changed my life. So who is Brenda Campbell? Brenda's purpose is to advance equity and opportunity for women and underserved individuals. It is by being a leader of Secure Futures that Brenda has made the greatest impact on her community. Secure Futures has empowered more than 100,000 teens with financial skills and guidance, and she has led the nonprofit since it was founded as Make a Difference Wisconsin in 2006. She is committed to the organization's mission to enable an entire generation of teens to take control of their financial futures. As an organization, they created a movement towards this goal and are constantly on the search for new supporters, volunteers, partners, and educators. As the president and CEO of Secure Futures, Brenda oversees day-to-day operations as well as program evolution and expansion, board development, and fundraising. Brenda serves as the organization's spokesperson and regularly contributes to her expertise on financial literacy as a writer and speaker. Brenda's background includes extensive experience in program development, management, and evaluation in the areas of financial literacy, education, workforce development, and child welfare. Brenda is also passionate about empowering women as leaders and serves on the boards of Milwaukee Women Inc. and Professional Dimensions. 
Brenda was a Milwaukee Business Journal Woman of Influence in 2010 and a 2017 recipient of the Governor's Financial Literacy Award. So, man, I already said it. I'm probably going to say it a bajillion more times, but I am so excited to introduce you to somebody that has made a deep impact in my life and therefore an impact in your life as you're, if you're a regular listener and hopefully a continuing impact as you, as you continue to listen and get value from the show. So with all that said, please enjoy this incredible conversation with someone I love very much, somebody that's made a massive impact in my life, Brenda Campbell. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Oh my gosh, friends. I am so excited for today's episode. And normally the first words out of my mouth would be, you know, welcoming the guest to the show. But this this guest requires a little bit more introduction beyond what you've already heard inside of the intro. So I want to just start by telling you from the heart about Brenda Campbell. So first of all, None of this would have been possible without Brenda. Like the 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 fact that you're listening to me on a podcast right now, I truly believe in some alternate reality. We may not be here right now. And so I've I've wanted to have Brenda on the show for a long time, but it, it just didn't feel right putting her on any episode. And so if if you've been following along with the journey from the beginning, I've had on some incredible guests. And one of the guests I had on was Michael Haig, and he was this Hollywood storytelling legend. And I got to dive into my origin story. And if you listen to that episode, you heard Brenda's name come up because she was a pivotal figure in my life, a mentor that showed up for me at age 17 when I was the the founder of the Sizzlin Ninja food truck. My email address was asianninja221 at gmail.com. <laughs> and she saw something in me. I don't know what it was, but she absolutely uh, like helped me to be where I am today. So you're listening to this because this is episode 101. And episode 100 was a recap on the, the like everything that we've done. And this is kicking off a new era with an even greater emphasis on impact. Like really, you know, the show's always been about monetizing while creating a massive impact, but I thought there would be no one better to kick off uh, this, this emphasis on impact with somebody that's made a deep impact on my life, but also somebody that is, you know, made a deep impact in the community. And we'll dive into, she's served over a hundred thousand students through her programs. Now she's got a, a true heart of gold. So I just wanted to start by saying, Brenda, thank you from the bottom of my heart for the impact that you've made on my life. And I'm so excited to introduce you to everyone and really kick things off. So thank you so much for being here. This is going to be so much fun. <laughs> oh, I'm so looking forward to this brand and I'm, I'm excited to be here and Thank you. Of course. Of course. So I thought I thought we'd kind of start by uh, when we met for coffee a few weeks ago, you were telling me you were kind of revisiting some of your journey in Secure Futures and where you've been. And one of the big milestones that you actually had was was a student success story. And so I thought it would be really fun for you to share a little bit about Jeremy, if you wouldn't mind sharing his story through the evolution of your program. And then we can kind of go into your journey with Secure Futures and how you got there from there. Yeah, and, and maybe that requires just a little bit of overview. What is Secure Futures? And yeah. We're a, I, I call it a for-purpose organization. Uh, we focus on financial education and coaching for teens. So we started in 2006, and Jeremy Kane was a student in our program in 2009. He was sitting in his uh, U.S. history class at Ronald Reagan High School in the south side of Milwaukee. And he had one of our volunteers. This volunteer was a banker. And he, you know, he was there to talk about budgeting and saving and how you manage bank accounts and understanding how credit works. But something he said at the end of his first session was every student in this classroom should at least have a savings account. And Jeremy was thinking, oh my goodness, like I don't have a savings, I don't have a bank account. No one in my family has a bank account. And he went home from school that day and he asked his mom, like, how come, you know, we always go to the check cashing store on North Avenue to cash your paycheck? And, and her answer was, you know, that's just the way we do it. And that really prompted Jeremy. He, um, you know, encouraged his mom to go with him. They opened up bank accounts, but it was the start of something because 
Jeremy, you know, he tells me the story about how, you know, he's just like blasting this banker with question after question because he's thinking, if I didn't know that, what else don't I know? And something that he shared with me that was a big eye-opener for me was that, you know, here he is, 16 years old, uh, high school sophomore, and he had never set foot inside a bank. And his image of what was in a bank was like, you know, here's these piles and piles of money. There's Brenda's money. There's Brandon's money. <laughs> and if my family didn't have a lot of money, you know, do they even want me there? Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you, like, you know, that was a couple of years into the program that that happened and several years until I reconnected with Jeremy and heard this story. But what a powerful eye opener for me to really appreciate the perspective of someone like Jeremy that, you know, didn't have a savings account when they're, you know, a toddler like I did. So um, the cool milestone, though, is that uh, Jeremy and I reconnected a few years after, actually after he left college. And we were both volunteering in a completely separate program. And I had remembered him from Ronald Reagan. Um, We had met through another program there. And I asked him, like, hey, do you remember the Money Sense program in your high school classroom? And that's when he shared this story with me. So we reconnect there. I invite him to get involved because he's super passionate about what we're doing. And he ended up joining our fund development committee. And then a short while after that, he joined our board of directors. And he's now serving in his sixth year on the board. But the cool milestone is that in July, Jeremy was elected as the chairperson of our board of directors. So we've come, I can't even tell you that without getting a little emotional because it's a full circle moment. We've come full circle where a former student of our program is now leading our board of directors. How cool is that? Oh man, that's so beautiful. And if you can't sense the emotion in in Brenda's voice, how passionate she is about it. And it's just so, talk about impact, right? Like she's serving these communities of kids where like money is just not even a part of the conversation at home. It's like the, you know, the, and, and to just introduce people to these fundamental concepts that are so transformational and being that one person, as I shared in the beginning, Brenda was that one person for me individually, but like her programs and the organization that she's working with secure futures is doing this across the community and sharing, sharing this. So we'll dive so much more into secure futures in in a little bit, but I want just to give some people some context on how you arrived here. And it was funny because when you and I had coffee a few weeks ago, I didn't know this. And so that's part of the fun about an interview is you get an excuse to learn more about people that you've known for a while, right? And so yes. I, I I thought it was really cool about the the context and you you had basically you were complaining to someone about you know where yes. you were at and then and then that's how you led into secure future. So I would love I would love for you to share a little bit about how you came to lead this organization. Yeah. I mean, and that is such a cool story because um, it's, you know, I do, I am a person who believes in fate and that felt like it was meant to be. So here's what happened. I, um, you know, in my early forties, I took a position at a governmental organization that was focused on child welfare. And it was a, a big decision for me to take this position because I felt like I had acquired this skill and this talent. And I had a really, you know, special and important opportunity to really make an impact in the child welfare system. So it was a big decision for me to take that role. And, you know, quite frankly, it it, it turned out to be uh, a state run organization with levels and levels of bureaucracy. And my background is program management, development, and evaluation. So I was there to evaluate programs. And um, I, you know, was was doing my job evaluating programs and, you know, unfortunately, uncovering a lot of problems with the system. The system was just, you know, quite frankly, broken. And my approach is, you know, hey, here's the problem. I'm going to describe the problem for you. And then I'm going to give you a couple of, you know, potential solutions. And we can talk about no price tag and so forth. But I would do this over and over again. And I would get this like nice little, you know, pat on my hand. Oh, good job, Brenda. Good job. But let's talk about that again next year when we get the new budget. 
And, you know, when you're in a child welfare system, it means that children and families are impacted by what's happening. And I was just becoming increasingly frustrated and, you know, honestly, a, a little depressed about it. And I was starting to feel like, you know, I just shouldn't be there. And I ended up, I, I was having, um, just doing a coffee meeting with a former colleague of mine. And she was now in a, uh, in a, a leadership position at Milwaukee Public Schools. So, you know, largest school district in our state, uh, serving thousands and thousands of students. But I was telling her the story and I said to her, I don't think I'm ever going to make a difference. I'm going to have to leave. And something that's so important to know is while this organization today is called Secure Futures, we actually rebranded about five or six years ago and the organization was founded under the name Make a Difference Wisconsin. <laughs> so she tells me this, she's like, make a difference. Wait a second. I just met this guy. He's starting this new organization. It's going to be called Make a Difference Wisconsin. And he's looking for a leader, an executive director. You should call him. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, wait a second. What's the mission? Like, what is he trying to do? And she said, oh, it's financial education. I was like, what? <laughs> like, you know, I don't know anything about financial education. What are you talking about? And she said, no, no, no. You would be leading the organization. And I said, leading the organization? Like, I've never done that. You know, like, what? Um, but, you know, there was just something about it, Brandon. Like, I felt like I should call him. And honestly, we got together. He had a two-page proposal for this organization. And it was providing basic financial education to teens. And I read the proposal and I thought, wow, you know, like, how might my life be different today if I had had more financial education in high school? And honestly, what he was looking for was somebody who could launch his program. And I have a program background. So it, it was like, it just felt like it was meant to be. Now, I'll tell you, I left a position, a state position with, you know, the, the golden handcuffs. You know, you have like all these awesome state benefits. And I was going to an organization that didn't yet exist. And having to build it from scratch and there was no benefit package and, you know, I, I, I took a little bit of a, a cut and pay to do it, but it felt like the right thing to do. And like I could have this opportunity to really make that kind of impact. And, um, you know, I, I, I took the leap and here we are. Man, 16 years later. <laughs> that's so incredible. And it's funny. I, I don't know if you've heard this quote. It's a pretty famous quote, but it's by Sir Winston Churchill. To each, there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do a very special thing unique to them and fitted to their talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified for that which could have been their finest hour. Um, and I pulled that up. I didn't memorize that. That would have been oh, really impressive. But, I love but, that. I, I just love that because it's it's it seems like, you know, you had just the right kind of experience to land up in that moment, literally saying the words, I just don't feel like I'm making a difference. And having someone hear that is just so beautiful. And and you're right. I can only imagine what that was like. It's like, I have no background in finance, but, you know, anybody listening right now, you know what what you learned about taxes, what you learned about finance in high school. And that was essentially zero. <laughs> um, yeah. And so so I can only imagine how that felt. But man, what a what a jump that that took from you. I'm curious to dig in here a little bit because it seemed like a the way that I would explain that decision, it was like a decision from the heart. Have you always found yourself from making decisions from the heart or have you always kind of like made decisions? How, how do you think about how you've made decisions over the course of your career? Yeah, it's so interesting that you asked that because I've given a lot of thought to that recently. I found myself saying I make decisions from the heart and the gut. And, and you know, after like really exploring that more carefully, I think it's a combination. I definitely do my research and, mm -hmm. you know, know the options. And so so it comes from the head at first, but then I turn to my heart and is this the right thing to do? And, you know, I mean, something that I learned early in my work here, too, like, I will tell you, like, yes, 
I had absolute confidence that I could launch this program because my background was programmed. But Brandon, I had no fundraising experience. I had no board development experience. I had no marketing experience. And it's me. I'm a one-person operation until I can build the resources to do this. And I have an incredible founder. And, you know, he went out and raised a little bit of the startup dollars to make this happen. But then we pretty quickly realized that, you know, he had tapped his network and we were going to have to find other resources to make this happen. So I had to learn how to be a grant writer and learn how to develop relationships with donors and raise these funds. And honestly, I, I think like there is, um, you know, if I have a superpower, I think it's in that relationship side, because what I did was go and find people who had that incredible talent and expertise and tap them and convince them that they should come and help me and give me advice. And I mean, it is only because of the incredible generosity of so many people who said yes when I came calling that we even exist today and we've been able to, to you know, reach the milestones that we've reached and have the success. Planted seeds for so many different places I want to go. Obviously, I want to focus on your relationship building superpower, which was uh, I said to Brenda jokingly before we got on, she was like the Yoda to my my 17-year-old Luke Skywalker. So it's like lots of <laughs> lots of the stuff that I've learned in relationships started with Brenda. So we'll we'll explore that. But I I like I said, as an interviewer, now I get a chance to ask you things that I probably wouldn't get a chance to ask you. I want to know before like you got into child welfare, like what, what is there anything from your heart that caused you to, to really just, you just have such a drive and a heart of gold to go out and make a difference. Like what, what was it inside of you that made you go down this? Was there anything that kind of guided that? Yeah. You know, I, I think that um, that was in me from the beginning. I think I am just like one of those helper people that's driven to be of service to others. And honestly, like I'm, I'm a first generation college grad. And when I went to college, I absolutely thought that I would go into law. Um, you know, I had this idea that I wanted to be an attorney, but I also had this like, you know, public defender idea. Um, and I, I pretty quickly, you know, became disillusioned with that path. And I was taking a lot of courses in sociology. And then that took me to social work. And I you know, two courses into social work, and I knew I was in the right place. Mm -hmm. It was like, that's, that's who I am. Um, and I, I think, you know, if, I, if you look at my personal values, it is, I mean, I know it sounds, you know, so huge to say it, but to make the world a better place, even if it's like, in one small place that I can contribute, like, that's who I am, wanting to be of service to others, to help other people, to make life better or easier or, you know, more equitable for them. I think that's a part of it. And then I think the other part is like, I'm just driven to get stuff done. It's like, you know, I, I definitely am like one of those people that hard for me to sit still. I always like have to feel like <laughs> I have to be productive. I have to be doing something. So, you know, if there's something I need to practice, it's probably, you know, sitting on the couch a little bit more or something. <laughs> You and me both. <laughs> I mean, and look at like how much creativity and innovation comes when you stop and take that break and let it come to you. You know, and I've heard a lot of your your guests talk about that. And I believe that wholeheartedly. Like, you know, we can just get on this, you know, hamster wheel and and miss that opportunity. And you do have to stop. Yeah. And it's it's you know, in episode 100, which um, I just recorded today, uh, yeah, at the time that we're recording this one, but it's funny, because I spent for episode 100, I spent a lot of time reviewing past guests, and I kind of came up with a framework that I view as the kind of the composite uh, secret, I guess you could say for for creating an impact. And like, you know, like the, the, and what I found is that it's this triangle, I call it the aim fulfillment triangle. And so it starts with alignment, and then it goes to impact and monetization. So the more aligned actions you take, the, the greater the impact you take. And then monetization can be monetary or non-monetary. And is, I can't help but just 
listen to you share, it's like you went through a few of those cycles where you went through an aligned action and you found out, oh, the, the law attorney path wasn't really working out for you. And so it didn't lead to that cycle. And then eventually you went through multiple cycles and then eventually you put yourself in a spot where you got that tap on the shoulder as Sir Winston Churchill talks about where you were in the right spot, but it, it came from you knowing what alignment meant for you. It, it came from you knowing your superpower was in relationships, that your superpower was was making an impact and making a world a better place. And uh, it's really cool that that, um, I don't know, now I'm just seeing that parallel all over the place since I kind of vocalized it. <laughs> yeah, well, and what's funny about that is that, I, you know, like I think for many years I didn't recognize that. It was just mm. sort of happening and it's now... And, you know, reaching this point in my life and my career where I can stop and reflect, now I understand so much better how, you know, those strengths. We recently, my, my whole team recently did the, the strengths finder assessment. Oh, nice. And oh my goodness, like what a beautiful way to learn more about your colleagues and how you can leverage that, that talent and strength and, and do, you know, better work together. And yeah. You know, I I just, I really love that. And, you know, for me, it was like two, Relator was definitely in the top five. Yep. And, you know, but it, um, you know, it, it just, it, it's, I think, taken me a long time. I, I, I'm not as, um, I'm not the learner that you are. I mean, I, I'm definitely the producer. And, um, but I, I so admire the way, like, Brandon, I think about some of the things I've heard you say, like, you are going to be an amazing parent, an amazing partner. You already are, right? An amazing partner to Leah. And it's because you're just driven to do better, to grow, to evolve. And um, I, I, I so admire that in you. I really appreciate that. And that means so much. Uh, so I, I, and just coming from you, you know, obviously it's got extra, extra weight to it. And it's funny, you, you mentioned strengths finder. I have my top five strengths, uh, as like the, the book comes with stickers that you can put on, on here. But I talked about that in episode 102. It's like knowing, knowing your strengths and being intentional about building roles where you can take aligned action. Cause it's like, if you're working with aligned action, that's outside, if you're kind of fighting or swimming upstream, you know, that's where the biggest mistakes are. Like what a mistake would it be if Brenda wasn't in a role where she wasn't a relationship builder, right? <laughs> Which I think it sounds like some previous roles were were not uh, allowing you to have that superpower. So yeah, I would highly recommend that as a resource as anybody dive into StrengthsFinder and have your loved ones take it as well. I've it's, it's always funny to see the people around you and you can understand them deeper and better and be more patient and understanding when you see where they're coming from. So yeah. I love that. I love what that. Are your, I what love... are your top five? I'm just so curious now. Yeah, so my number one is strategic. Uh, uh -huh. number two is achiever. Number three is futuristic. Number four is learner. And number five is activator. So those are my top five. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's so you <laughs> <laughs> love it. So, okay. So we've talked a little bit about secure futures you told some stories and you talked about Jeremy's incredible story. And we talked about you getting into this role. And I know that at the time of this recording, we're celebrating a massive milestone. You hit 100,000 students served through this. And you've yeah. been on, as you said, from the beginning. I pulled this from the site, but over like about 2,500 volunteers you've coordinated over the year, over 300 partners. And as you alluded to, all of this was driven from you learning how to build relationships. And so I thought that we could kind of leverage this as an opportunity to go into some of these relationship building skill sets that you've determined to be your superpower. And one of them we already kind of started with, if you, if you, if anybody listening, you could already tell Brenda's an incredible storyteller, like listen to that story, go back and listen to her, tell the story about Jeremy or even her origin story of joining secure futures. And I know that you and I have talked about this is like, if you're going to motivate someone or inspire someone to be a donor or a volunteer, you just throwing facts and figures out there and trying to, you know, connect with their head isn't going to land as well as telling an incredible story that that really just tugs at the heartstrings and really communicates what you want to communicate. So I would love for you to share maybe if you have any insights over the years about that the power of story or how you've been able to communicate stories in a way to help you grow secure futures. Yeah, I mean, and storytelling is so critical in fundraising, because, you know, if you think about it, like, people don't want to fund stat you know it's like that's not what motivates them that's not what tugs on the heartstring to to help it's it's the story of 
you know, an individual. And we try as much as possible to, to share stories that are about one student. Because I, I think when you can make it that personal, it's so powerful. And oh my gosh, I, I think back of, you know, like all the different students that we have, you know, focused on and shared stories of. And, you know, they, they stay with people. Like I'll see a donor, you know, two years after they heard a student's story and they'll remember that story. They won't remember the stats that we shared that tied to that story, how many students we reached, how many schools we're in, how many volunteers there are, how much money we raised but they remember that personal story. And that's like Jeremy's story. Like Jeremy's story is so inspiring to so many people. And, you know, when Jeremy first got involved, he would go with me to meet with donors and donor prospects and share his story. And like, that was a big motivator for some of the support that we received. But um, yeah, incredibly powerful. I want to pull out some things that you know, if you listen to Brenda tell the story, it's like, like, just what I've observed through storytelling is like, like, I love what you said, picking one student, right? You're not talking about a classroom of students, because our human brains can't understand what a class, I mean, obviously, you know what a classroom looks like, but it doesn't emotionally resonate with you if you're thinking about a group of people, but zooming in and that specificity of one story and the details of, you know, Jeremy, not even really thinking that there was piles of money in a bank, like you could probably visualize (laughs) that like what his perception was. And so I love that you 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 do that with your storytelling. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I think that that's what makes your story so powerful is that you're able to pull on those very specific details that stick in your brain. Yeah. And I think, you know, like we are asking people to invest in this mission, right? If whether, if they're a volunteer, they're investing their time and their talent. If they're a donor, they're investing their money. So being able to show them that return on that investment and I have a, you know, can I share like one really please, fun please story? Please, please do. So th- this is this is like one of my favorite student stories. We had, this is years ago, we had this volunteer and he was also a banker. We, we tend to draw in a lot of uh, finance sector folks in this work because personal finance is, you know, aligns with uh, what they care about. But this guy was like determined that his time would not be wasted volunteering. And, you know, and he asked me like, okay, so are you sure that the students in this class are going to want, they're going to want to hear from me. They're going to, you know, take what I teach and do something with it. And, um, you know, and he went in like kind of skeptical about it and it was funny. So, you know, he, he goes into, and our program is, is typically money senses six visits to a high school classroom. So he goes in for the first visit and, um, he, after the, the session, he called me and he's like, okay, so 30 kids in the classroom, it went pretty well. They, they actually had some great questions. I could tell they were listening. But Brenda, there was one kid in the back of this classroom, head down on the desk, sound asleep the whole time. And so what are you going to do about it? And, uh, you know, we talked about a little bit like, you know, you don't have any way of knowing what that student's life is like or what they've been through. So, you know, how incredible that you have 29 kids engaged and participating and watching you. And, you know, so he goes on and after the second visit, after the third visit, I got that call again. Like, Brendan, that kid's still sleeping. He's still sleeping, same kid. Like, do you think that I should talk to the teacher about it or you know, hey, could I tap them on the shoulders? Like, no, 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 don't, don't touch the children. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, it's like he had had this conversation with the teacher and he just didn't feel like the teacher was going to do anything about it. You know, so session after session, this kid is still sleeping. He gets to the last one. And now this is a, a, this is a a lesson on credit. And, um, you know, it's, it's how, you build credit, how it works, how you, you know, make sure you get a, a good positive credit score and, you know, where the pitfalls are. And so he, he, he's, you know, talking about credit to the students. And he said, at one point during the session, there were two girls that were sitting on either side of this young man in the back and they started chatting and they're, they're talking about credit. So, you know, he was happy about that, but it was like, and he said, that kid picked his head up, glared from one girl to the next and said, shut up. This stuff is important. 
oh my gosh, he was listening the whole time. (laughs) time. He's like, Brenda, I think I had him the whole time. And it's like, (laughs) so you know what? You don't always know what's going on. And I'd love to share that story because it is such a big concern. Like people want to know that their time is valued and that something important is going to come from it. And there you have it. You just never know. And I think so often when we talk to students who had gone through the program as teens and now they're young adults, they tell us about how what they heard then was like a seed that was planted. And maybe they didn't know exactly what to do with it then, but something as they were, you know, moving out of high school and into adulthood. And, you know, when you're 16 or 17, you're not thinking about buying a house, but Hey, when you're 22 and now it's time, you might remember something that that volunteer said in the classroom that's helpful. We've had kids like, I mean, Brandon, you wouldn't even believe it. There's kids that have told us that they helped a parent avoid foreclosure because of what they learned in the program. I remember a young woman who she, uh, her, her parents did not speak English and she did the, basically the negotiation for a truck loan for her father And after going through the program, she realized she didn't have a good interest rate on this loan. And she, you know, she kind of went to the volunteer panicky and like, what should I do? And, and, you know, he was able to actually help her navigate that and, and get her dad out of it. It's like such a powerful thing. I remember another girl who said her mom got her tax return and she immediately pulled out the sale flyer and she's talking about I'm going to buy this and this and this and she said she sat her mom down and said mom you know something's going to happen there's going to be some kind of emergency and we're going to need that money like can't you at least save some of it and her mom said you know that's a good idea mm-hmm. so it's like a story after story like that that just you know it, and it's it's powerful for me because you know I want to make a difference too. So, you know, I need to know that what we're all spending all this time and, and, and talent and, and money on is really leading to something um, valuable. And, and I know it is through those stories. And I want to pull out some of the mastery of what you're doing there. I don't know if you're doing this unconsciously or not. I'm sure you do this unconsciously, but it's like over time, you've built a story bank. Right. And yeah. so like, as you connect with people, I'm sure you're telling a story that's specific to what you know about that human. Right. So it's like, you know, if you're talking to a particular donor that might have a higher propensity to agreeing with Jeremy's story, you would share that story. Or if it's, you know, Antonio's story, I think, or, or Roberto's story, you know, like, yeah. those, or, or, or a volunteer, right. Obviously like now, you know, if there's another volunteer in the future, that's concerned about, is his time going to be wasted by coming into these things? You're like, hold on, I have a story to tell you. And then you can overcome those objections by leveraging these stories that you've built over the years. So I love that you do that, but it's also a huge takeaway for anyone listening. It's like, if you're looking to overcome objections or if you're looking at connecting deeper with someone, are you being intentional about the stories that you're building that can not only add value to the person that you're talking about, but articulate and overcome some maybe roadblocks that they have in their own head? Yeah. And also just recognizing that the way that you reach people is is different, right? So sometimes it has to be a written story. Like we do our fall appeal, right? We're trying to raise money. That's going to be a written story done in a beautiful card. And then sometimes it's a student actually at an event sharing their story. Sometimes it's video. And then, you know, we can make little clips that we can send out to uh, our stakeholders. So, you know, we've really tried to you know, I guess, advance our story game. But I'll I'll tell you too, Brandon, like I listened to the episode where you had that storytelling expert on and Mm. he was working with you to, you know, to to enhance your story. And I mean, that was some takeaways for me in there too. Like, how can I make my stories more meaningful? And, you know, I, I think it's like giving that audience an opportunity to like feel like they're there with you. So that was a great takeaway for me. I'm glad. And I, I, I know you and I text all the time. I'm, I'm so I'm grateful to have Brenda both as a guest, but also as a, as a listener. I'm very grateful that you, you get a lot of value from listening to the show and now being on the show it must be a little bit, a little bit of meta. So I'm glad. I'm so, so grateful that we had a, a good opportunity to highlight you in the right way <laughs> coming out yeah. of the show. So, um, I, so we've alluded to a bunch about 
you know, building this story bank and your your relationship ability. And so I, I thought it'd be interesting because as I as I said before, like 2,500 volunteers, 314 partners that like that, like there's lots of referrals that have to be made possible to make that happen. There's lots of, I'm sure, outbound of outreach that is need to make that happen. There's lots of, there's so much to coordinate under that, under that. So one of the, I don't know, you can tell me if you want to go here, if there's a better place to go, but one of the the mediums in which you began to coach me was email, right? Like, like when I got introduced to you, you were telling me like, Hey, this is how you send an introduction or this is, I saw you make these introductions between people. I saw the way that you encouraged me to do outreach. And there's so, so many wrong things to do and so many right things to do when it comes to reaching out with an email and then eventually obviously ascending that relationship and going to eventually become a donor or a volunteer. So I'm just kind of curious if maybe whether it's an outreach perspective or making an introduction, if you have any insights that you can share from building all these relationships when it comes to written communication with people. Yeah, I mean, and and even uh, you know before that, I would say, leveraging people who are passionate about what you're doing. You know, like I, when, when I heard, you know, what you were trying to do, raising the money that you needed to go to the national competition and, you know, looking at your business plan, it was like, I saw something special in you and the drive that you have. And it was like, I want to support that. You mm. know what I mean? So it's like, I think that's what I'm looking for. Like when I'm trying to find new donor prospects or new volunteers is I leverage the passion of someone already involved. So, you know, one of the ways that we do that obviously is through our board of directors. Like, you know, when we look at who is a good candidate for our board, Brandon, first and foremost, are they passionate about this mission? Mm -hmm. You know, are they here for that? Because sometimes people want to join a board to expand their network or, you know, add it to the resume. It's like, that's fine. You know, I I get that. And and I think that's a smart thing to do, but you're only a good fit for us if you're also passionate about the work that we're doing. Um, And we have a lot at stake right now. I mean, we, we, we definitely do basic financial education, but we're really focused in the the financial equity and inclusion area right now. So knowing that we have people behind that part of our mission is really critical. So, you know, that's what I would say. Uh, you know, we've had a tremendous amount of success also asking current donors, who else do you think would want to come and learn about this? Mm-hmm. And we've created some, you know, like really powerful events. We do an event that we call Your Two Cents. And the way that this event works, it's it's meant to be intimate. So five or six stakeholders, whether they're board directors or other donors or volunteers, um, they invite just four or five people to come to this event. And, you know, we give them a profile, like who would be a great guest, right? Like we're looking for somebody who can make a meaningful gift to the organization, who you you believe probably this mission will align, you know, that it's not going to be, you know, totally uh, out of their, their interest area. And then we have Former students from our Money Coach program come to that event. And and something I love about this is that it's as powerful for those students as it is for the guests. So the students will share their story. And the way that we make it easy for them is a program manager who knows the student well will just do Q&A. So, you know, they get to sit up on the panel and they have their name tent in front of them. And, you know, so they're like the VIPs of the events, which is so cool you know, especially for, for students of color who don't get that kind of opportunity to network with the business community. Like that's a really special uh, opportunity for them. So, so we bring out the story and, and what we're really going for there is how did our money coach program impact their life? Like how has it changed the way that they manage money? How has it improved their life? And the program manager knows the students well, so they know what questions to ask to get to that. And so we start with that, and then we ask uh, the students, so individually they will each go to a table. And the reason that we call it your two cents is because then the student gets to ask those adults any questions they want. And so the tables get turned, and it's kind of a, a flash mentoring opportunity for the guest but it's also a powerful opportunity for that 
that student, whether they're still a teen or a young adult, to, you know, to learn about these people from the business community. And they'll ask, you know, questions about, you know, what did you do with your first paycheck? And, oh, my goodness, at the last one, um, we had a, a young woman who asked the adults, how did you know when you were financially ready to have children? I was like, whoa. I mean, we, we caught some of them like, uh, I might, I, I still might not be ready for that. Yeah, <laughs> but, <right. laughs> you know, but I mean, it's just a powerful way. But, you know, I, I think the point is that's an opportunity for someone to bring someone else, get them exposed. And everyone leaves that event just feeling so good about the work that we're doing because they heard about the impact directly from a student, life-changing impact. And, you know, we've had donors who are, you know, maybe they're a $2,500 donor, but they invite someone who becomes a $10,000 donor. And they would not be in my network, Brandon, but there they are in their network. And now they're part of our stakeholders. So powerful. Wow. There's so much brilliance in there. First of all, I love the name, Your Two Cents. That's incredible. Nice branding there. But I just want to pull apart so much of the genius that was packed in there that I saw at least, and maybe you can add on top of it. But like, first and foremost, instead of reaching out to someone via an email and asking them to donate, you know, like lots of huge barrier to entry to making that happen. It's a huge call to action. They don't know why they're involved. Very easy to ignore. But if you set up a volunteer or a stakeholder, as you said, that that is involved with the organization and the invite is simply to come and come to come, come to an event and give them an experience that's a show not tell experience, right? You're not going up with a PowerPoint presentation and saying, here's the impact that we've made. It's like, no, here's a little human, <laughs> but not, I shouldn't use the word yeah. little human, but here's a high schooler that went through this program and like they, they're, they're, they're slowly getting more and more invested. It's like I showed up, I might be cross-armed, but now I have a, a high schooler that's in front of me that's asking me questions about money and I get to see the problem that's at, at, at hand or the opportunity that's at hand. And they invest more in the process slowly and slowly to the point where they they know that their their investment in the organization is going to be much more impactful and it was been it's been solidified by this experience so i think that that's brilliant and yeah. something that anybody can take away it's like what are low barrier to entry show no don't tell experiences that you can provide people that open them up to your world that open more opportunities than if you had been trying to be direct about it. So yeah, so much well, and there. speaking of more opportunities, so here's the other thing that happens at this event is we hear stories we've never heard before from from some of these kids and young adults. And so now we know, okay, here's a potential speaker for our investment conference. Here's a potential student we can focus on for our fall appeal. It's like we, you know, like sometimes I'm just blown away by the stories. I remember. A few years ago, we did one of these events, and this young this young woman said, "If it if it were not for Money Coach, my family would be living in a car right now." And I was like, "Wait, how come I didn't know about this?" Like, you know, yeah. and and the program manager was like, "I didn't know that." And so, you know, then after the event, obviously, we went and, and we dug a little bit deeper. Like, tell us more about that. What happened? And you know, and it was just like so powerful. But you know, it's it's like a marketing. Um, you know, uh, gold mine there too, right? Like, uh, and, and, and like I said, like something that's so important to me is that it's as meaningful for the students as it is for the attendees. Yeah. Like they leave there going, when can I do this again? And then we compensate them for their time. Like their time is valuable. And, you know, we've asked them to help us with an event. So they get paid to be there. Wow. I'm, I'm, that's so, so brilliant. And speaking of events, I know another event that you put forward every single year is your investment conference, right? So it's like you, you're not only doing these smaller events, but you're also doing bigger events to really get people to understand the value of everything that you're doing. And there's a lot of coordination that goes into that as well. And so, um, I guess maybe, a, a, and one of the things that you're known for in these investment conferences is getting some pretty big keynotes to come and, and participate in these things. So any insights that you've had over the years of learning how to bring in those keynotes that that really kind of spark the interest of the rest of the event that obviously has a cascading effect on donations and all that other stuff? 
Yeah. And it's, it's, um, you know, you do this so well too, right? So asking them who else should we be asking to, to keynote event? And we've had some, some great success and, you know, even maybe we target someone and then we go back to a previous keynote and say, Hey, do you know this guy? Would you be willing yeah. to make a call and tell him how, how awesome we are? Um, but I mean, something that's like so powerful about that too, is like often it's, we have leveraged one of our stakeholders to make a connection, to get that, that keynote in there. Um, and, you know, they feel like they've contributed in a powerful way because they have. Yeah. Um, and, and oftentimes like those keynotes become major donors of the organization. And, you know, a couple of them even like, you know, on an ongoing basis, like sometimes it's one and done, right. They come and speak and then they make a donation, but other times it's like, yeah, we can, we can reach back out the next year and they'll, you know, they want to continue to support it because they believe in the mission. But, you know, there's, there's a, a great story that ties to that too, Brandon, is that, you know, when we first started, our very first event was a golf outing and our founder is a big golfer. And honestly, like I knew nothing about golf and nothing about golf outings, but we had a staff of two. I'm at sensing that a time. pattern of, of you not oh. knowing finances, you not knowing golf, but you're doing it anyways. <laughs> well, no, this one didn't turn out the same way because honestly, <laughs> like I struggled to put this golf outing together while I'm trying to launch this organization. And, and the first one was rained out, had to do the whole thing over a second, a second time. And then, I mean, we raised like less than $5,000 and I was completely exhausted. And I went to the board and I said, you know what, I, I don't think a golf outing is the right event for us. Um, and if we are going to be in an organization that has an event, wouldn't it be beautiful if it tied to our mission? And that's where one of those directors said, wait a second. I just went to, I saw this event in New York and I think we could scale this back from Milwaukee and, you know, and, and that's like how this idea was born and look how it has grown. I mean, there was a time when this event produced a third of our revenue every year. Wow. Now we've grown beyond that now, but also talk about a door opener. The, you know, we have 600 people in the room. Half of them have never heard of us before. And now we get an opportunity and they're going to get a great investment conference, but we have this little opportunity to also share our story and let them hear from a student. And you know what? Many of our board directors first learned about the organization by attending that event. Wow. Many of our donors first became donors because they gave at that event. They were inspired to give by a story they heard from a student. So, you know, that's a, a powerful tool for us as well. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, I always like to pull out obvious patterns, but like, I mean, events, like, are are you investing in putting together these kinds of events? And like, you just don't know who you're impacting at these events or how you're impacting. I'm sure that's probably like, you know, it's kind of like that, that game at Chuck E. Cheese or whatever it is. That's like the, the coin one. It's got like a, a little like claw that's constantly pushing a coin and then you drop a coin and then it, it's going to fall down and then eventually the coin nudges it and then it, the other coins fall off. I'm sure that's probably what you're experiencing with these volunteer organizations and getting people involved. It's like, you don't know if it's one email or it was a newsletter, if it was the event, if it was the two cents, if it was the investment conference. And like, also you don't know about that kid that like had his head down. Like maybe he was sleeping the first few days of classes, but maybe, <laughs> maybe on the third day that, that, that volunteer showed up, he said something that changed your life. And maybe that kid was the kid that was about to be pushed into homelessness. You know, you, you just don't know. And like, it's, it's cool that you're dropping all these different opportunities and you've kind of developed an ecosystem around collecting stories and sharing stories and putting events together with stories and having one-on-one -on -one conversation with stories. And uh, obviously it's taken a while to cultivate this kind of ecosystem that you've built, but I mean, you've built this from the ground up, leveraging these kind of grassroots, just connecting to the heartstrings events, which is incredible. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So I know we're kind of coming up on time and I, I want to be re respectful of, I know you said you had an event going on later tonight that you have to go to. One of the things that I, I can't miss, which is like whenever I tell the Brenda Campbell story <laughs> of how you helped me, it was like you shared a quote with me that stuck with me that I think is one of the things that changed everything. And um, I know you you don't take credit for the quote and you've said that to me multiple times, but but your perspective 
on this quote, which is the important part, your perspective and the weight that you put it on this when you taught me changed yes. everything for me. So we'd love for you to share what that was. And then yes. I think we can tie it back to some of the stuff that we've been talking to as well. Yes. Well, your regular listeners have heard this, but here's the quote. <laughs> if you ask for money, you will get advice. But if you ask for advice, you will get money. And it, it proved true for you. And I mean, I think that's something, you know, we talked about, you know, the fact that I'm building these relationships. That's how I'm building them is I'm, you know, and it's authentic. I'm asking people for their guidance, for their advice to help us, you know, let us tap your expertise, your talent, your network. But it always starts with that. I mean, I, I never go out of the gate asking anybody for money because one, I'm not even going to ask them for money unless they care about this mission. And, you know, it, it, oftentimes when you start to develop a relationship like that, and, you know, I, I may be asking for help with something and sharing some of the stories that I've shared with you and other stories about our student impact. But a lot of times the question that I then get is what else can I do to help you? Like, what else do you need? And that's the perfect door to, well, we are privately funded. I mean, we rely on the support from individuals, corporations, and foundations to make all this work possible. We do not charge students. We do not charge schools. And that's, you know, when, oh, hey, I, you know, I'd like to support it. Um, when we do a Your Two Cents event, we have a survey and it's like, you know, what are you interested in? Is it serving on a committee? Is it, um, you know, coming to another event? Is it, helping to open some doors for us, or is it financial support? And I just, I, I think that people, they, they want to be invested personally before they contribute financially. And that's what that allows them to do. I know you and I have had this discussion before, but I like whenever I share this insight that came from you, another way I like to expand on this is talking about the IKEA effect. I think I've shared this with you before, where basically it's like uh, people value IKEA furniture more because they had to build the thing. You know, why why can Build-A-Bear charge five bajillion dollars for a stuffed bear? It's because the kid had to take the stuffing and pump it and put the heart in it and choose the my 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 Build-A-Bear toy was uh, his name was Midnight and it had a it was a stuffed bear and like it had a little button that you could press and it would say, I love you. I love you. You know? So it's like the, having people go through that whole process of, of investing in something makes you value it so much more. And, and I, th I think another thing that's a follow-up to this, I'd love to hear your perspective on this because you do this so brilliantly is once you've opened the door to asking for advice is, is being really grateful, like genuine gratitude for the impact that they made by just sharing their insight. And like you said, it comes from a place of true gratitude. Like you're, like you're learning things that you need to learn, whether or not they commit financially or not. It's like they're sharing their perspective, which helps you to grow the organization. So you have many ways of um, building on and retaining you know, it, it donors and investors by by expressing that gratitude. So I'd love for you to kind of share some of your yeah. insights on making sure that that's communicated effectively. I'm so glad that you brought that up because, I mean, we, by our annual fundraising plan, we devote 50% of our time and effort into donor retention. It's into sharing. It's that gratitude piece, right? Like, we're very proud of the fact that if you make a donation to this organization, you're going to hear from us very quickly and you're going to get a personal email or note from, from me or one of my colleagues that thanks you for, you know, for your support. Um, and I think it's like, you know, we do these awesome thankathons. So it's a really great way to get the board involved too, but we'll give them a list. You know, it's like, hey, you're going to call these 10 donors and to make it easy for them, you know, we give them a, a script or some talking points and we encourage them, like, make it your own, like put it in your own words, but at least they have, you know, the information that they need to do that. Um, and we, we, we talk about stories too, like, you know, and, and ask board members um, and staff, like, what are the stories that you share when you're talking about the work that we do at Secure Futures? But Brandon, I mean, I, I think it's so important, like, who wants to continue to support an organization if they don't know that what they've done is appreciated and that it has returned on that investment, like it's actually made an impact. So yeah. I, I think it's as important as 
research, prospect research, um, everything else that we do in fundraising, we, we have to let people know. And, and you know, I, I said this before, like, we would not exist without all these incredible people who share so much time, talent, heart, money, right? Like, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be able to do this work. So it's so important to me that they know how much that's valued. Yeah. And some of the things I want to build on top of that, I've been studying, I'm a student of direct response and copywriting, you know, and like, like one of the most pain, uh, this is, this comes from Dan Kennedy. I've been studying Dan Kennedy a lot, but like one of the most painful components of any business is the acquisition of a customer, right? And the, but the retention of the customers where all the gold is, if you study Jay Abraham, you know, it's like, there's only three ways to grow a business. And one of them, and the easiest one is increasing the lifetime value of a customer once you already have it. <laughs> and yeah. and I think that it's, it's so profound. And, and I've continued to experiment with other ways of expressing this. I mean, one thing that I do for for I send handwritten thank you notes. I do some special stuff for guests. I mean, I'm always making yeah. introductions to other people that I can. And another thing I've started doing is recording videos when I'm thinking of someone, you know, like I'll just like, I've done it. It's funny. I'm training for a marathon right now, which it was the Milwaukee marathon, which just got canceled, Brenda. So I have to go do, a, oh. I have to do it. I have to do it. I, I found a different one, but I've done it before where I've been on a run listening to a podcast and I think of someone and I'll pull out my phone and say, Hey, I'm like literally on a run right now, but I just want to let you know, I was thinking about you and I, I'm going to, you know, whatever it is. And I think that that's really important is that you go ahead and implement this, like how you can't, you totally can make someone's day. If you just send a voice message or a video or a text, just saying, Hey, I just want to let you know, I was thinking about you and I appreciate you like that. Like I learned that from Brenda, I guess the seeds came back from that is just appreciating and being genuinely grateful for people because that goes a long freaking way. And again, you don't know if that's, you know, what, what you're, maybe somebody's having a terrible day and that can just truly, truly make a difference. And so I think appreciation and gratitude is, you know, stated a lot as like a key to success, but there, you really can't understate it. It's just so, so important. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you too, like for me personally, like if I just set aside two hours and I just call donors and thank them, like I do this periodically because it feeds my soul. It like, mm. I feel so good after that. It's like, I feel good about the work that we're doing. I feel great about the impact we're making. And, um, you know, I guess it's a little selfish, but it's like, yeah, that's, that's one way, you know, honestly, it's like, if I'm feeling like, if I work really hard to try to, you know, build a new partnership and maybe it doesn't go the way I hope, or I, I don't get a donation that I was, that I asked for. I always ask like, can you put me in a classroom? Like I need to go do what we do and see that mm -hmm. impact and get in front of students. And it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm okay. I can regroup. I can start again. It's, uh, you know, it, it's a, a, a no isn't as painful when I follow it with that. Yeah, 100%. And going back to the beginning of our conversation, somebody that is uh, taking taking aim, you know, you have the alignment and you're making the impact that you want and you're monetizing and reinvesting that into the community and impacting more students and you found a way of doing that. And clearly it energizes you. It's like you can tell your passion. I have, I'm, I'm re-interviewing actually he's part three steve sims uh the, the the anybody that's listened to that episode is the guy that uh can make anything happen and he got people married by the pope and the vatican and stuff like that but he talks about there's no passion there's no point right and like clearly you have a passion brenda and you talked about that and being an important component of investing in someone or connecting people and it's just so important to have that alignment because when you don't have that alignment you don't have the passion, which makes it kind of hard to make a meaningful difference. So, man, Brenda, this has been an incredible conversation. Um, I can't believe we, we've had our hour kind of fly by already. And as, as you know, as a listener, one of the things that I like to do to kind of wrap things up, I like to ask what happiness means for a guest. So I would love to hear your answer, Brenda. What does happiness mean to you? Yeah. And of course, Brandon, I knew that question was coming. And, <laughs> and honestly, I mean, I, I've heard this from some of your other guests too. And it's it's true for me. It's like, when what I'm doing aligns with my values. Like I said, you know, things that I value, it's like making the world a better place, helping other people. But I also value time with my family and, you know, health and fitness is important to me. So when I feel like I've done something that I'm working toward that value and honoring that value and being completely present when I'm with my grandson or my husband or one of my children, that's what makes me happy and brings me the most joy. 
so and beautiful. talking with you of course <laughs> no you didn't have to you, you you should have kept it with that you added me back into <laughs> it it was beautiful the way it was so I'm, I'm very grateful that i was able to share you with everyone today and obviously i would highly encourage anybody to go check out secure future do you have .org or .com or do you have both org Okay, securefutures.org. Go check that out and some of the incredible stuff. If you want to hear from Jeremy himself or some of the other volunteers at our organization. So a long-winded way of saying where besides Secure Futures, are there any other places that people can go to find out about the work that you're doing? Well, there 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 is another cause that I'm involved with in Milwaukee. It's called Milwaukee Women Inc. And mm. we're focused on putting more women on corporate boards. And, you know, if I if I sort of look at like, what is my purpose, I feel like my purpose is about increasing opportunity and equity for women and for historically marginalized people. So, um, you know, Secure Futures obviously ties to that. And Milwaukee Women Inc. is another passion of mine. So beautiful. All right. Go check out Milwaukee Women and uh, check out Secure Futures. And man, I I just want to have my kind of my wrap up conversation with you listening right now and just say you could be listening to any other podcast right now but you chose to listen to this episode episode 101 with somebody that has absolutely made a massive difference in my life and is continuing to make a massive difference and you know Brenda it's a perfect example of somebody that that took the time to really care about one person and the, the difference that that made and I I say this at the end of every interview and somebody told me the other day I need to change the way I do this but I just want to be really serious with you right now and saying this episode can and will change someone's life you don't you never know when you can share this episode and it, it can really just resonate with someone on a deeper level and they can learn about all the incredible wisdom that that Brenda has built over the years about building relationships, expressing gratitude, telling stories, you know, uh, sharing sharing about impact and creating a deep impact. So, if you're listening to this right now, my request to you is that you take the time, you think about somebody that might be able to have a, be resonate with this and share this with them because you never know. Maybe there's somebody that's the equivalent of that kid with their head down that that is listening and needs this this message right now, and you can absolutely share it and make a difference. And so I appreciate you so much for being willing to do that. But um, so that's my conversation with you listening. I appreciate you so much for being here. And and Brenda, any things that you want to say as we conclude for today? Oh my goodness, I I just have to make another. Another pitch for you, Brandon. I'm your number one fan. <laughs> Please, dude. <laughs> I, yes, I, I, I think you have such a unique talent and gift for the work that you're doing, and I know that it comes from this place of, you know, yes, you're you're a learner, but you're also trying to make a difference in the world and and make things easier for other people. And uh, I, I just think the world of you. So listen to more of Brandon, everyone. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. Brenda, this has been an absolute blast. And thank you for, for the impact that you create. It really, really makes a difference. And it was an honor to bring you on as episode 101 to kick off this impact series. So I appreciate you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.